0: An entire workforce fed up.
1: One, two, three, four, teachers walking out the door.
0: Back in March, the biggest teacher strike New Zealand's ever seen. So fed up, they're fighting. If we can't teach, kids can't learn. Simple as that. For better pay. Oh my gosh, we get paid nothing, like really.
2: For better working conditions. The workload
3: is horrendous.
2: My conditions are crap.
0: They're demanding change.
2: We need resourcing. We need
3: more teachers coming into the profession. We've got massive shortages across the country in all different sectors. They're burnt out too early, you know, and they're suffering from crises, essentially, of, of their well-being and mental health.
0: And amid all the headlines about teachers' pay and workload, the number of people who want to be school teachers has dropped. Universities have hundreds fewer enrolments in their initial teacher education programmes than last year. Kia ora. I'm Tom Kitchen, and today on The Detail... What's it actually like being a teacher in a high school classroom?
3: I see myself staying in the career, but I don't know if I see myself staying in New Zealand. And the reason why is partly the pay. If I go to Australia, I can get paid like 20k more off the bat.
2: And We have the number of teachers that we do leaving and we're finding it hard to find people to replace them. I think that probably tells us that however much there might be a bonus from having those extra weeks of flexibility or holidays, it's really not enough to make up, I think, for the stress of the term. We talk to two teachers about
0: their experiences, the good, the bad and the challenging. But first, RNZ's education correspondent John Gerritsen takes
1: us back to March, when teachers hit the streets in record numbers. It just so happened that the primary, secondary and kindergarten teacher collective agreements had all expired at the same time, were all being negotiated at the same time, and the unions or the union members had all decided that the offers weren't good enough, and the driving force behind that was this high uh, rate of inflation driving costs up teachers looking around seeing people in some other industries getting pretty good pay rises in some cases keeping up with inflation and so you just had that coincidence of all three groups negotiating at the same time with, with a very similar grievance and they were able to coordinate their action. Can you bring us up to speed with the latest uh, primary school teachers have settled so what is in their settlement? more release time. That was a big factor for them, so 25 hours a term. Um, They've also uh, accepted a $4,500 lump sum payment if they're part of the union. If you're not, you get $3,000. And then the pay rises, the upshot is that at the end of all these pay rises, by the end of 2024, the top of the pay scale will be $100,000, and currently it's $90,000.
0: But secondary school teachers and their union, the PPTA, are still in a deadlock with the Ministry of Education over better pay and conditions. With facilitated bargaining failing to make any progress, the Employment Relations Authority last week recommended the union and ministry consider independent arbitration. The ERA has also called on teachers to stop their rolling strike action in the meantime.
1: How has it reached this point? What's happened is basically you've got uh, teachers or secondary teachers anyway, who are really determined to get a pay rise that, that keeps their pay up with inflation. They've been looking at inflation figures and saying, look, you're looking at around 7% inflation. Uh, we want a 7% pay rise. A- and the government's not uh, come to the table with a 7% pay rise. Um, most teachers are paid at or close to the top of their scale, which is around $90,000. And if you look at the pay rises that have been offered so far... For most teachers, it's probably, you know, half the rate of inflation, maybe three and a half percent in terms of the increases that have been offered. So, so, so the secondary teachers have said, look, that's, that's not good enough. We, we're we're going to um, stick to our guns and, and take industrial action and see if we can squeeze a bit more.
0: Yeah. How much else are they looking for? Like, it's not just pay. I understand they're looking for a few other things that will make their job a bit sweeter
1: as well. Well, I mean, there's always calls for, um, you know, more teachers, uh, lower class sizes, that sort of thing. In terms of um, the detail, though, what it really does come down to, they keep saying we want an offer that helps with retention and helps with recruitment. And really that comes down to pay. Um, you know, whenever I'm talking to um, principals about, about this, they're saying, well, you know, better pay would help. So that is really the um, sort of fundamental issue here. Yeah, while that's going on, there is also a shortage in
0: the number of people going into universities to study education, what's going on there?
1: Yeah, look, if you look back over over the years, you know, if you go back, say, a decade or so, there was, you know, more than 2,000 people each year would be studying to be um, secondary teachers, and that's just slowly declined over the years to sort of around 1,000 or 900 people a year enrolling to be secondary teachers. Now, it did actually spike in 2021. There was a bit of a, a rush on tertiary enrollment then, and a lot of people enrolled in um, universities, and it went up to about 1,500. But it's dropped away again. So, I mean, you could say we've gone back to sort of the pre-pandemic norm of uh, around about 900,000 people studying mm-hmm. to be secondary school teachers. But the general consensus has been that that, that number just hasn't been enough. And, and especially in... Areas like the sciences and so forth—it's quite hard to to attract people into those subject fields. Why more people don't want to study secondary teaching—you um, know—I don't think anyone's got the um, absolute answer to that. But factors like pay, also the perceived workloads—you um, know—some of, some of the stories you get coming out from from teachers are you know that it's a tough job and it's getting tougher. Um, you're dealing with diffi- sometimes with difficult students, but then you know when I talk to teachers. They also really enjoy their work and they, you know, enjoy working with teenagers, that sort of thing. You know, it's rewarding, but it is a tough job, especially in the first years when you're learning how to do it. Um, you know, it can rack up a lot of hours. It's a very, you know, really demanding job. Just how demanding is it being a secondary school teacher?
2: Kia ora, my name's Paul Stevens and I'm a, um, I'm a secondary school art teacher. I'm the, assist- the Assistant Head of Department for the Visual Arts at Rangitoto College, uh, and as well as that, I also work as the Regional Chair for the PPTA. Paul's been a teacher for about a decade. When I was in high school, there was, um, there was a history teacher who was out in the classroom, and she had a real impact on my life. You know, I had grown up in the church, and she was the first person I knew uh, who identified as queer. And so for me, that was r- hugely impacting, it kind of was a way of being able to come out of some isolation for me. And so I reflected after I was studying art and thinking of becoming a photographer, I reflected on how much of an impact she had had on my life and realised that one way that I could really contribute and work with people, I realised I wanted to work with people, would be in teaching and I've never looked back. Paul is at school by 8 each morning and classes start just after 830
0: There's only an hour of non-contact time a day where teachers can answer emails, plan and prepare. After the bell rings at 3.20, there could be staff meetings,
2: extracurricular sport and music activities, parent-teacher interviews. You may well finish your day, particularly when you've been talking to colleagues, seeing students for most hours of the day, um, and you've only had that one hour to do all the work that a lot of office workers would be able to get done in any given day, outside of any meetings, Uh, that may well very likely mean that you're going home and marking for a few hours or doing some planning and preparation for the next day. And it's not uncommon on a Sunday for teachers to work uh, most of that day as well, just to make sure that they're getting ahead of things for the week ahead of them. So it's
0: a long, long day. How many hours would you say you work a week?
2: Most weeks I'd be working between 50 and 60 hours a week. Um, And I'm sure plenty of people would come back and go, oh yes, but you do have the The term breaks, or the holidays, as people call them. I don't call them holidays. I think it's better to refer to them (laughs) as term breaks because we have to remember that for teachers, those are the only weeks in the year in which they have any flexibility at all about how they use their time. They're also there as well for us to work on... Curriculum planning, it's not uncommon to commit a few days during a term break, either to being able to mark a large amount of work or to, do, uh, to really get into doing some curriculum planning because it's the only time you're going to have as a teacher that's not interrupted.
0: Yeah, so when people say, oh, teachers, you have all the holidays you would ever want, <laughs> what kind of reaction do you have to that?
2: There's an aspect of a particular over summer which I can understand, you know, when you, when, particularly for teachers with children, there is the attraction of being able to be, to have that flexibility and have those breaks when when your own kids are, but I've never, I've still haven't met anyone who got into the job for that reason. And when we have the number of teachers that we do leaving, and we're finding it hard to find people to replace them, I think that probably tells us that, however much there might be a bonus from having those extra weeks of flexibility or holidays. It's really not enough to make up, I think, for the stress of the term. And increasingly, uh, particularly in some of the years we've had recently, where the job has gotten harder. It has. What has become harder? I think there are a few things that contribute to the added challenges for teachers. Some of them are are related to NCEA. Some of them are related to increasing expectations from teachers, particularly in terms of pastoral care. Uh, it's not been uncommon in schools for the form time at the beginning of the day, for example, to be extended out or to be turned into a an academic mentoring space or a kind of pastoral care space, not just checking the roll and 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 um, reading the notices, for example. And most teachers would acknowledge, and I think all teachers would acknowledge, that we that, that we need to be able to offer support to students in terms of their pastoral needs. And that aspect of the job, I would argue, is more complex than it used to be. Mental health challenges for young people are significant. You know, you can look at the figures on it, but even just anecdotally, we can see the, um, the complexity of the issues that we're working with with students. And I think particularly at the moment, there'd be very few teachers... <laughs> who hadn't thought about leaving, particularly um, during the industrial round we're going through where we don't feel valued, to be honest. I think overall we don't feel valued. But it really does feel like your heart's coming out of your chest sometimes when you realise that the impact you've had on that person in front of you, helping them overcome a learning challenge or them realising something about who they are through the work that you've done with them, um, nothing really makes up for that. You know, there's nothing that could replace that feeling.
0: Have you thought about leaving the profession?
2: I think it'd be pretty hard to find a teacher currently who hasn't thought about that. I'm really passionate about teaching, and I love working with teachers and supporting teachers to do the work that we need to do. I have strongly considered, after almost a decade, at least looking at taking a sabbatical or taking some time out, because I have seen teachers burn out. I have seen teachers who have tried to give it everything, and realised eventually that they couldn't anymore. Um, And so not wanting to be one of those teachers, I've realised that um, you have to find a way to sustain it, and that can sometimes be taking time away from teaching and hopefully going back. There must be some
0: joyful moments that you have in teaching. Like, tell me some of the most happy times you've had as a teacher.
2: The most joyful times as a teacher are when and a lot of teachers would say this when you have that aha moment with the person in front of you, when something drops, when when they, when they realize something. I'm a big believer that we're always changing, that we're always growing and that every opportunity uh, that's in front of us can be one of learning. And when you get to really see that happening right in the classroom, it's incredibly exciting. Ella Brown is an English teacher at a high school in West Auckland. This is her fourth year
0: of teaching. She wanted to be a teacher while studying psychology at uni and taking drama lessons.
3: So I was taking kind of like little classes with kids and teenagers and I just loved it. I love kids, I love teenagers, I love getting to work with them um, and I love like the process of learning and kind of um, seeing that like spark moment. So from that I went into Teach First which is like a sort of scholarship master's program um, that kind of focuses on... I guess, teaching in more low decile areas and supporting kind of educational, systematic change. And they very much told us that it was going to be very challenging and that we needed to prepare ourselves for the classroom. So I did my kind of equivalent of teacher's college over a single summer, and then I spent two years teaching and doing my master's at the same time while I was in school.
0: So I was teaching what you expected it to be?
3: Um, Yes and no. I expected it to be challenging, definitely. Um, I expected that it was going to draw on a lot of relational skills and that I was going to be mediating conflict. So I'm actually not overly surprised about those aspects. I think what I'm surprised about is um, maybe the intensity of the workload. We're pulled in so many different directions, it just feels impossible to do my job effectively in even a 50 or 60 hour work week. You know, it's, it's really hard.
0: Have you been burnt out?
3: I have been burnt out to the point where I was just sick. I think most teachers would say they're experiencing burnout at school. Um, I mean, m- almost every teacher I know will, will admit that when it's the weekend or when it's the holidays, you do end up just horrifyingly sick. But I've also just been burnt out in the middle of the term when you just kind of can't come into school because you're so tired, I guess.
0: Have there ever been any times you've wanted to quit?
3: There have been a couple of times. Mostly it's around workload and wondering. I guess I felt had this feeling when I started, I was like, this is really hard, but I'm going to learn. And then it will become easier um, because I'll be able to do things more effectively. And then in my second year, I was like, this is still really, really hard, but I'm going to learn. And then my third year and fourth year, you know, same sort of thing. The reality is, is like the the questions that I'm asking myself is, if this is the workload, am I willing to sacrifice parts of my well-being and my social life and the things that I want to do for this job? Do you want to know some like specific examples? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so I definitely felt like I wanted to quit When, um, so I am obviously a young female teacher. When I started teaching, I was, I think, 23. And in my second year, there were just a lot of male students kind of making a lot of inappropriate comments towards me. There was a big group of like five or six boys and no anything towards these boys they're really lovely and we you know it's they've grown up and apologized and all of that sort of thing but at the time it's like you're in this classroom of 30 kids everyone's bouncing off the walls and these boys are making the most repulsive comments towards you and you know your workload doesn't get any lighter. You don't get any more support. I'm still, you know, having to work until like 6pm at night after experiencing like just this day where it just brings you to tears, like the things that you're having to deal with. And I love my job. Like it's my dream job. But sometimes you just get pushed to points where you're like, what am I doing? Why? Why am I sacrificing my well-being for this?
0: When you have these challenges, why do you still have the job?
3: Oh, I I love the teenagers so much. There's like multiple things I love about the job. So I love teenagers. I just think they make me laugh every single day, right? And to me, they're just like they're like adults with less layers of like formality on top of them. So they're so honest and brutal and funny. And I and like that's also really easy to make like you because all any teenager really wants is like. For you to tell them that you think that they're cool, and then they suddenly are like, Whoa, I love you.
0: Can you share any specific moments of, you know, why you've stayed in the good parts?
3: There's a couple of things. So I remember at the end of last year, I got a card from a student. Oh, I'm going to start crying. It's
0: okay.
3: <laughs> I got a card from a student, and in it, it said, Thank you for being my safest adult. Aww. And I think, like, those moments happen where You realise that you're, like, this safe place to land for these kids. And it's so hard being a teenager, right? Like, it's so hard. And I even had another moment today, actually, where one of my students in the middle of her class just came to me sobbing, right, and just needed, like, a hug. And to be able to be the person who can, like, be that stable, calm person who's there, who's always safe and consistent, like... That's so special. Yeah. yeah.
0: So where do you see yourself uh, in the future? Do you see yourself staying in the career? or Are you... Yeah.
3: Yeah, I see myself staying in the career, but I don't know if I see myself staying in New Zealand. And the reason why is partly the pay. If I go to Australia, I can get paid like 20K more off the bat. But also partly um, the workload is worse in New Zealand than it is in Australia. And the reason why is because of the way NCEA works, how much work we have to do as teachers to interpret the curriculum they give us and make it applicable to the classroom.
0: So what's different in Australia?
3: They provide a lot more exemplars, a lot more resourcing, and they're a lot clearer on the types of teaching strategies that they need you to use in the classroom. Um, Whereas in New Zealand, right, we have these NCEA changes coming through. We haven't even got... It's next year, right? We haven't got exemplars of what a unit would look like we haven't got exemplars of what student work could look like there's an expectation that we have to bridge that gap on our own which is you know hours and hours and days of work and we get maybe I think two days off a year to be able to do that planning
0: yeah and also the pay doesn't look great from the outset does it
3: no no um it definitely doesn't (laughs) it definitely doesn't but I think a lot of the people who I knew who went into teaching they didn't do it for the money, obviously. And then it is just the workload that burns you out and then makes you be like, I can be getting paid a lot more doing something I enjoy and not be crying at work, you know? It's it's not a hard choice for a lot of people.
0: Well, what are the figures like for a starting teacher?
3: Um, well, it's hard for me to say because I was on a limited authority to teach when I started because I hadn't gone to Cole, So I was on, I think I was on like... 49 when I started, 49K, but that's lower than a normal starting teacher salary.
0: How do you climb up in pay scales as you become more experienced?
3: You basically climb up based on how many years you've been teaching and then combined with your qualification. So if you have your master's, so my baseline now, because I have my master's and I've been teaching for a while, is now 72. Yeah.
0: Some of your friends might be earning a lot more and working fewer hours, Is there a bit of a tension there?
3: Definitely, definitely. I think for me at this stage, the money is definitely a factor. But the hugest thing is seeing my friends get to come home and not do work. I know it sounds dramatic, but I often am like the first person to leave my flat and the last person to come home. And I'm, you know, working on weekends and things. And I think that's, in my opinion, the biggest thing pushing teachers out of classrooms.
0: So is teaching still an attractive career? here's John Gerritsen again
1: well you know certainly there's you know getting consistently nearly a thousand people a year enrolling to be secondary teachers al- you know, that's a secondary teaching alone so um, yes and I mean actually I'll hark back to conversation with uh, uh, Pro vice Chancellor at Waikato University Don Klinger I was talking to him about okay well what's happening with these enrollments you know you sort of got primary school uh, teaching enrolments have gone down for them secondary have gone up but um, nationally, it's sort of dropped away. You know what's actually going on here, and and look, his view. He's talking to some colleagues. He said, "Look, what we think we've got now is that we're we're back to the ones who really are passionate about teaching. It's what it's what they've always wanted to do." You know, I I interviewed some teachers, uh, some young uh, aspiring teachers just the other day, and you know, one of them said, "Look, I, I've wanted to be a teacher since I was at school." You know, so you've got the those people are the ones who are really still rocking up wanting to be a teacher. And, you know, obviously that's a good thing. You don't want the people who are passionate, who want to be there working with children or with young people. Um, And, and, you know, that's no bad thing. But do you think these overriding
0: challenges are putting people off?
1: I think it'd have to be. If you look at all the reporting, we'll do talking to principals, talking to teachers about how hard their work is. The other thing uh, that comes through when they're talking to young teachers well, certainly when they're starting out they'll say okay well I'm being paid, have much of being paid and um, you know, I've got friends with similar degree to me similar experience and they're earning quite a lot more and, and they're working fewer hours that's the other thing, You know, secondary teachers say you know, and primary teachers say they'll be working quite a number of extra hours outside the classroom doing their marking, doing their lesson preparation they, they do feel under rewarded compared to other workers when they look around
0: that's it for today. I'm Tom Kitchen. The Detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell. Our producers are Sierra Robson and Bonnie Harrison. Thanks to John Gerritsen, Paul Stevens and Ella Brown. Ka kite anu.